Greetings. My name is Louis Molina, and I'm the host of The Life Perot. Today, we're joined by a father and son team of, of a, as a cigar broker family, and we're glad to have them in the studio. And just so you know, this is the first time we've had two people uh, being interviewed at once, so this is new for us. So hope you guys enjoy it. And with that, Brad, Reed, thanks How for coming in today. Thanks Appreciate for having it. us. Appreciate yeah. having me on. So what do you all think about this? This is pretty cool. Yeah. So I remember it's you guys exciting. when you were building this. Yeah. Dad should be sitting here. It's really yeah, cool. yeah. Um, have you guys done a lot of podcasts? First I, one. I've done a couple live Facebook type. Oh, live format. Yeah, no okay. editing stuff. So okay, yeah, that's going to be wear, different. Since... Yeah, you had to wear flavored shoes. So if you stick your foot in your mouth, it tastes good. Oh <laughs> man. So I mentioned, like I said, uh, with the intro, you guys are father and son team, uh, cigar brokers. Correct. Um, and I know we'll get more into that with like who you rep. And uh, before we get to that, we usually have a cigar. So is there a particular cigar you, you we, we're going to feature or talk about? Yeah, well, uh, I've got an Illusione Epernay. Okay. High Claire Castle by Foundation. Okay. Connecticut. Um, And then I forgot my cigar. Uh, Would you like one? Yeah, if you don't mind. I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> I usually have one. Sun, man. Yeah. Well, I know some guys who here are prepared, are prepared uh, better than I am with this. So what should what should I smoke or, or yeah, try to do the high yeah. These are Maduro High Clear Castle. Okay. Yeah. So we were talking about that before we we went live or, or recording about High Clear Castle. Can can you guys give me a little more explanation about that? Sure. We can it, go ahead and cut it, light if you it's want. It's a it's a a brand that uh, Nick Melillo partnered with uh, uh, High Clear Castle people. The High Clear Castle is owned by Lord Carnarvon, who is the great grandson of the guy who discovered King Tut's tomb. Okay. So you'll see, if you see the uh, video archives of them discovering King Tut's tomb, there's this guy smoking a cigar. That's him. Uh, oh, so okay. uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how they got together, uh, uh, but uh, Nick got to know the Lord Carnarvon, and they, he went in the archives and researched the tobacco that they were sourcing to smoke cigars, where they smoked cigars in the, in the, uh, in the uh, library, I suppose, uh, drinking a snifter of brandy. And uh, Nick came up with a, the 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 Connecticut blend, and then then they came out with a Maduro blend. So okay. it's a partnership so, with them. So, uh, like I remember when when the line came out, High Clear Castle is, isn't that? And I, I never saw the series on PBS. D Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. That is the castle. That's the castle. That is the castle. So yeah, there's I guess a, a reference uh, with that for yep. people yep. who who are familiar with uh, Downton Abbey and all that. But I remember. When we first brought the line in, it's maybe like three three years or four years. I, I just thought it was a really nice cigar, nice blend. It it's not as big of a seller for us, at least in our Baton Rouge store, just because I think the price point, right? And people, I don't know, it's just well, it's it's it doesn't uh, get the love like the Tabernacle, obviously. To me, to me, it's the bread and butter of a high end cigar. You know, like this is what it means to have a high end cigar. It just it's just smooth. It's good. It's got a Brazilian Montefina binder on underneath the Connecticut wrapper on this one okay. at least. It's really good. Yeah, it's not like smoking hot water. I mean, a lot of people look at a Connecticut and see the price point and they go, I'm going to get like nothing for 18 bucks." Yeah. You're actually getting a nice full-bodied or medium-bodied, I guess you would call it. It's very elegant. Yeah. It's but but a lot of flavor, though. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. complex. It's not just, you know, you're not just making smoke go back and forth. Yeah, the, the Churchill size is probably my favorite yeah. out of all of them. Yeah. Okay. And how, how many sizes... Are available in the High Clear Castle? Do you oh, know? There's a tough questions. Yeah, I forget. Uh, I, think I, I think there's a Churchill, Toro, Robusto, Corona. We can Toro. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think we we just carry maybe two uh, sizes of each of the wrappers. 
And it's been kind of a tough sell for us, but it's one of my personal favorites from Foundation out of mm-hmm. their entire portfolio. Well, and the other, uh, the sneaky part of it, 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 nowhere on the box does it say Foundation. So people are, oh. are kind of confused that it's, you know, you might have it uh, on the shelf as Foundation and at the very end it's, it's just High Clark Castle. It yeah. looks like, like the brand left. Like okay. the Foundation stops here. Yeah. But it do- obviously doesn't. So I always tell my retailers put High Clark Castle in the middle of Foundation stuff. Okay. Sometimes they'll put it from the Charter Oak all the way up to the High Clark Castle. Hmm. That's an interesting strategy. Yeah, I guess it, because if, if a retailer places it on one side of all of a, a Foundation's co- uh, other lines or core lines, the end consumer, if they're not being told by the tobacconist, they might assume that I guess this is another one-off company or yeah, something like that. Yeah, there's a Huron on Connecticut. What, what's all that? Yeah. I've never heard of these guys before. Hmm. So they <laughs> offer it, like you said, in a in a shade mm-hmm. and a Maduro. And the Maduro that you're smoking. And, and yeah, I'm smoking the Maduro red band. The shade has this white band. So yeah, I definitely recommend people uh, to, to give High Clear Castle a shot. And that the Maduro is a medium Maduro. It's not. It's, yeah, it's not, not going to punch you in the mouth or anything right. like that. Yeah. Very enjoyable Maduro. Now they they call the Maduro the Victoria, right? The Victorian. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then um, the Edwardian. Edwardian yeah. for the shade. Yeah. Yep. So they don't really, I guess, market it as like High Clear Castle shade or Connecticut. It's High Clear Castle Edwardian, Edwardian or Victorian. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're in the business, you say it, Connecticut. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, let me get to know y'all a little bit uh, further. So I've known you for a few years now, Brad, yep. and your wife, Marsha. Right. She runs the back of the house. Okay. Does and all wh- the dirty work. Where are you guys based out of? Where do you live? Uh, Dallas, Texas, or Plano, Texas. Okay. South side of Dallas. How yeah. many How many states do you guys cover? Six. Okay. So we cover Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, uh, Missouri, and Kansas. Okay. And uh, during the pandemic, I think we had 36 new shops open up in our territory. Whoa. So unless, you, unless, huh? unless they're going to make the calendar 13 months long, yeah. uh, I needed some help. And so I was looking for help, and I put it out there that to read. Yeah, he it. was trying to get me for a while. Okay. I, and I didn't, we weren't, we were telling him the positives about it, but we never, I didn't want to make him do it because right. you know with that, how that would work out. Yeah. And uh, one day he called me up, and I guess the interest rates, uh, he's uh, yeah, sold, selling mobile ahead. homes for a living before this. Okay. Um, prefer Palm Harbor Homes. And uh, I know it was a great job. Got a lot of experience from that job and everything else. Um, taught me a lot about sales and, and dealing with people. And then interest rates just went through the roof, you know, and I was like, really evaluating what I was going to do because I was I was told myself through that first quarter or the last quarter of that year I was going what am I going to do and it just I didn't hit my goals of exactly what I wanted to do and I'm like hey dad uh is that offer still on the table yeah I got a phone call said hey uh is that job offer still available yeah I said, heck yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah so I now, bet you were excited huh? oh as, yeah. as so I live in uh North Austin Pflugerville actually okay um so I can be in any major city in three hours so it really takes the load off of him living in Dallas where you have to stay in a hotel in San Antonio if you're going down there um and so I can just be, go be back in my own bed because it's only an hour and a half two hours yeah and I've got to cover four other states north of me so mm-hmm. yeah so I'm, I'm seeing um, a lot of broker teams now starting to expand in terms of their human resources like hiring staffers where maybe it used to be like a one-man operation now i guess with the volume maybe seeing more cigar shops maybe or just to help you know well, we, we get ser- so stretched stretched out the, right just trying to give the people the ser- service they deserve you know yeah. it's, it's hard when you're just one guy covering mm-hmm. six states like you're spread thinner than paper you know so it's like it just needed help well as a retailer that's one of the frustrating aspects of dealing with a company that 
doesn't have much infrastructure in terms of the sales and support staff, right? And and I get it, right? With you know, most companies, most larger entities have an in-house rep. They have a specific territory, and I'm sure there are quotas from these in-house guys where they got to visit maybe five to eight shops a day, whatever the whatever that number is. So if I'm trying to call them or text them, sometimes I got to wait. And I'm fine, but I, and I know that going in that it might not be an instant answer that I'm looking for. Um, so it's nice to see people that you know invest in, in, in human resources to, to help mm. with the servicing aspect of it. Well, something about our backgrounds, at least at least for me, um, when you're selling mobile homes, you got to be on it all the time. You're dealing with people's livelihood, mm. you know. So uh, I'm a real easy guy to get a hold of. Like if you have a, if you call me, I answer no matter what. Like. Even if it's, hey, I'm in a shop, I'll call you right back. You know, it's just mm-hmm. one of those things. Like, it's just communication. That's all it is. Right. You know, and uh, he was in printing before this, too. So, and it's the same same scenario. People are need their product, you know. So it's kind of the same mentality that I have when you're dealing with cigars. Like, you're talking to these business owners, and uh, this is their livelihood. So you got to take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I just approach it. Yeah. Now, I met you for the first time at the PCA trade show. Yeah, in Vegas. Yeah, in 2023, uh, July it was. And is this your, now your first time, at least in our, in our state, on yeah, the road? Yeah, Louisiana. Okay. First time in Louisiana. No complaints yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this your first time in Louisiana? Yeah, I mean, we'd driven through it before, but I've never like actually visited and ex- like seen the culture or anything else. It's completely different. I thought I okay. knew English before I came here, but y'all yeah. spell things a whole lot different. I know. <laughs> there are a lot of, uh, what, E-A-U-X... Yeah, yeah, especially there, the Acadiana region. Some, there's some billboards I'm driving by, and I'm like, "Hey, how the, how do you say that?" You yeah. know, I'm just Boudreau, like, Thibodeau, yeah. any, anything yeah. ending in that E A U X. It's pronounced like O. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we definitely have our own culture. So if it, yeah, I'm sure you're in for like a oh, culture I, shock. I like it for sure. Yeah. Have, you, have you been in New Orleans yet? No, not yet. No, that's okay. uh, that's still on the list. Are y'all going during this trip or no? Uh, probably not. Uh, okay. He's got to get back for something on Friday, but yeah. Okay. He'll be back soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys have already started planning how you want to execute covering the territory, right? I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, you're not always going to be with with your father or mother, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right now, I'm in charge of basically everything Waco and South. All I go from okay. Waco all the way down to the Valley, which is like McAllen. Um, but right now, this is basically my introduction tour, and then I'll be taking over Louisiana. Okay. So very just, cool. Uh, it's just a little bit easier on him, you know, yeah. trying to take care of everything else. Yeah. So. It's really refreshing to see what I call like the next generation uh, of people in, in, in this industry, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of other companies whose now their the sons are coming of age uh, in their 20s or 30s and trying to take over the reins from like the, the you know the, the established you know it sounds not to be disrespectful but for the older generation the more experienced generation and to see their offspring yeah, taking a, the reins. It's cool of fresh to see air too, you know. So yeah. like if you see. The same type of people every single day, and then all of a sudden there's a 27 year old guy, and I feel like I'm the youngest guy in the industry. Yeah, like you're 30, young. 30 <laughs> years, you know. Yeah. So it's just a, a breath of fresh air. We get to talk about different things. I mean, I basically whenever I'm in shop, I just talk about sports and whatever else. Right. Like where he doesn't know a lick about sports. <laughs> so you're not a sports guy. <laughs> I, I understand sports, but he right. knows you know everybody's dogs' names. And <laughs> I'm the same way. Where they uh, came like, from, I, I'm you know. like you. I, I mean, I'll kind of keep. You know, pay somewhat attention to sports, and that's probably bad for someone in really Louisiana, just, with, in, especially in a college town like LSU. Yeah, yeah. It's just really NFL for me. I couldn't yeah. tell you like five players on the Longhorns or anything like that, which is pitiful because I live in the Austin area. But sorry. Okay. Did you grow up in Dallas though, <laughs> uh, or Plano? Up, born and raised Plano, Texas. Okay. Yeah. And now you're in Austin. How far away is that? Like 
drive time? Three hours. Three hours. Okay. Yeah, it's just straight up 135, I-35. Yeah, yeah. So you're obviously a Dallas Cowboys fan? Unfortunately, my heart is numb, yeah. Uh, why are you <laughs> I, saying that? I, I mean, I, just getting my heart broken every single year, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. I've said it the last five years. I don't care what the Cowboys do in the regular season. I need not one but two playoff games. I just want an opportunity mm. to get to the Super Bowl. I don't care if we get there. I just want an opportunity, you know. I just want to see it. I mean, right. the Rangers this year broke the seal on the championship oh, of, yeah, of our yeah. drought. So uh, Stars almost made it last year. I'm a, I'm a Dallas uh, fan through and through, okay. so I, all sports for Dallas for me. Yeah, yeah. And Dallas is uh, – I was talking about this with a uh, cigar rep a few episodes ago. Uh, Dallas is one of those cities that pretty much has every kind of sport, Yeah, right? one, of the, one, yeah. Of the, one of the only ones. There's a couple. I think Pittsburgh's one. Um, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Dallas is one of the one of the few. There's a couple. I can't okay. name them all right now. but Yeah, yeah. I'm probably one of the few retailers that's like non-sports really focused. <laughs> like I said, I, I try to like keep up just so I can hold myself in a conversation, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah. An expert. But I'm always intrigued by that culture. And uh, don't even ask me about uh, golf or any baseball or anything like that. But I can okay. talk football. Football. That's your that's yeah. your sport. Yeah. Okay. Um. See what else. So, have you visited a lot of the shops in Austin? Oh yeah. I mean, me and Jim at Havana House North and Daniel and South yeah. and. Uh, I know Daniel Jim. At... He 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 used to be our Zycar rep. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Zycar yeah. Jim. Yeah, oh, all yeah. the time. Yeah. He's the only one I know that will play Pop Smoke in the uh, in the shop. It's just a, a up and coming rapper. I'm like, how do you know this? What? It's crazy. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. He, he's awesome. You know, oh, uh, he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, Daniel at Cigar Vault East. I mean, I'm all over. Hmm. I'm all over the Austin area and uh, San Antonio too. Houston. Um, I'm, I'm starting to really establish some of those relationships now with like Forbes, Michael Joseph, um, a whole bunch of those guys. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm always intrigued, and I've mentioned it this on the podcast uh, over the course of several episodes. I'm always intrigued by what's going on in the Texas market, right? Oh, yeah. It's one of the biggest cigar markets in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the data. I don't know if it's number one, but it's definitely worth for any cigar manufacturer to be in that market, right? Yeah, we get, uh, well, with our low cigar tax, we got to yeah, pay yeah, a stick. Yeah, that's right. And, and, then, and, and then a lot of importers are, and manufacturers are basing out of Texas instead of where it used to be, like South Florida. Now you're seeing them consider mm-hmm. Texas. Well, it, yeah, it's it, we get a lot of calls being brokers uh, for new right. cigar lines wanting Ooh. to get representation in Texas okay. because Texas is the prettiest girl to dance. Mm. Right. You know, so right. it is definitely a cigar oh. market. On, on, on average... You don't have to give me the specifics, but like, how many requests maybe per year do you get from new importers or, or companies trying to, I'd to say gain about a records? handful? Yeah, it's about a handful. Five, five, yeah, five ish. Yeah, because yeah, again, this industry, uh, you know, for people watching or tuning in that aren't really cigar centric, our industry is really still small. Yeah, I mean, you know, our, our book's pretty big already, so we, we really you don't want to have a fishing net. Right. You know, you want to focus on the brands that you do carry. Mm-hmm. So we don't really want to carry everyone, everyone. Right. You know I mean, we want to yeah, take we, care of the people we that we talk, have. When we get a call or request, we talk to them because we don't want to okay. shut anybody out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you never course. know the future. They mm-hmm. might be, you know, you want to talk to me. You can't be the guy that told them no way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. So, yeah, so you have, so it sounds like you have, like, your protocol, like, the questions you'll ask. Right. Every prospective uh, uh, new client. Correct. Yeah. What are some of the questions? What are, what are some of the factors that you look for? Uh, they have to have their distributorship lined up. Uh, they can't be just, you know, shipping uh, cigars out of the garage. Uh, they have to have some traction uh, in Texas or in our territory. They have to give us all of our territory to sell it in. We don't want to carry just carry it in two states because that's it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not it's not productive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, they have to be relatively established. Not that we wouldn't take somebody on that's you know brand new, 
but it, they'd have to meet all those requirements. They have yeah. to be ready to go. It's because if, if you if you're not well financed, you're not well backed, mm-hmm. like a distrib- you're not uh, hooked up with a distributor, it's going to make life tough. Right. And, and I ask that because we, uh, as a company, as a retailer, uh, have some of those similar questions or parameters whenever we get called on by you know prospective new cigar manufacturer brand. Sure. You know, usually what I'll ask, the first question I'll ask them is, well, why should I carry you? Like, what differentiates you yeah. from all these other established brands? You know that every retailer has a finite space. In the sales world, we call it a woofum. What's in it for me, you know? A woofum. A woofum. Oh, <laughs> I like that. What's in it for me? Yeah. I learned something new today. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, you obviously have to go through, like, this interview process to make it worth your while because, you know, we're, we're going to ask you the same questions. Right. You know, why should we carry this company? Um, you know, one, and just to give insight, maybe for someone listening who is a, a, a cigar manufacturer in Latin America that wants to enter the U.S. market, um, you know, we're always intrigued by if, 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 a, if a manufacturer is really vertically integrated, right, as opposed mm-hmm. to just being a, what I call a middleman. Right, mm-hmm. they pick the blend out at the factory. and Yeah, and it's maybe a stock, even if it's like a stock blend, it's, they, 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 don't, they didn't even really have a hand in right. coming up and playing with the blends. Um, but we've made exceptions, right? I mean, Nick technically right. is is somewhat of a middleman, although he, I think he takes it a little bit farther. He probably sources the tobacco. He's given his experience, sure. right? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. He's got he's up to his armpits in it since mm-hmm. a long time ago. Right. Years right. Ago. Yeah. I mean, we we jumped on board, you know, as soon as he made the announcement that he was going on his own from Drew Estate, um, because of his experience and his knowledge of, of, of tobacco. Um, so it's not to say that. If you're a middleman, we won't, you know, we won't bring you in. Right. There's exceptions to everything. Yeah, yeah. Right. But it's definitely appealing, like, all right, well, that is a differentiator. Uh, if you're a new guy, that, that you control a lot of the steps. Um, price point is another mm-hmm. quality yeah. standards. Yeah, we, we don't want to sell something that's going to be a $4 MSRP, you know what I mean? It's just... Well, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, if it's worth... If it fits in the shop. Yeah, or... Mm-hmm. It's four dollar MSRP, but it smokes like an eight dollar cigar. That's true. That that's intriguing. Um, kind of reminds me of I don't know if you guys are familiar with Curivari, um, and their their Buenaventura brand. Like at the at, when it was released, it was like a five dollar MSRP, but it smoked mm-hmm. maybe like double, eh, maybe eight eight to ten dollar, and we just blew through it. Especially when mm-hmm. they got the number six ranking, I think that was back in like twenty twelve, and it just flew off the shelves. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say like. Mm-hmm. If it's priced really low, that we would just yeah 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 well like chop shop cigars you know what I mean like, yeah 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 um but yeah I mean those are some factors that we got to consider like why should we carry you especially with with our initiatives we're starting to be like you know we're trying to source our own cigars now yeah um and and that's just to help us out to compete with against like the big guys the online houses. Yeah, sure. that's true. But yeah. get your margins. And also, mm-hmm. like, our, margins, yeah. our customers trust us. You know, they're going to trust our judgment mm-hmm. and things like that. So if we carry something that's not going to be up to our standard, um, you know, they're just not going to – we're not going to push that. You know what I mean? They're, they trust our judgment. Right, right. Um, so let's go back to what's in your portfolio. Who are all the companies you okay, represent? Okay, I wrote this down so I didn't forget anybody. Yeah, yeah. You know how that goes. Ten different so, cigar – ten different, eight different cigar lines, two different uh, accessory companies. Okay. So we uh, represent 724. Okay. Cavalier, Freud, Illusioni, Foundation, as we've been talking about, Southern Draw, and Patina. Then we've got uh, Lotus Lighters. Okay. We've got Ellie Blue Luxury 
uh, accessories, mm-hmm. and then we've got Sutliff Tobacco, and they also, through Sutliff Tobacco, we do uh, Brigham pipes and Rat Trace pipes. Yeah. And Patina. Yeah, and Sutliff does, has been, like, the, the, yeah, you said Patina. Oh, you okay. did. Okay. Cool. Um, Sutliff is interesting. We're, we're, we're a customer of Sutliff's. They, they were first, they really started more as, like, the pipe tobacco sector, right? Yeah. Because um, we carry a lot of blends from them, like the B20, Black Cavendish, that's a popular seller here. Uh, I think the Blackberry Brandy blend. They've got 500, so. What? I'm, yeah. So, if oh, you, excuse me, if I, as, you, as you rattle them off, I don't know. Oh, go, yeah, no, oh no. yeah, I know that one. <laughs> I didn't even know it was 500 blends. And, oh, yeah. Wow. It, the, wow. the price list is just insane. Yeah, yeah. Marsha. Mar- Mar- Runs the back of the house, and she's like the she's pipe speci- tobacco she's expert. She's the specialist on that. Because I, she's, I just refer everyone to Marsha. Okay. Like, because she's got the book. Wow. Yeah. And she's got the page of the top sellers. Of, of it. So if somebody's opening up a shop and they're, or they're going getting into pipes and pipe tobacco, we can give them the top 50 sellers, best sellers, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, she handles that's, all the orders, so she knows all of, that information. It's yeah. a lot of data. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, we just uh, ordered the Christmas spice blend. Yeah, those. Yeah, no, I know what those. Yeah, are. I know a lot of these pipe tobacco mm. blenders and manufacturers will offer Christmas time releases, and we're we're always intrigued by that. Just a little special, you know, annual thing to look forward to in that in that world. Yep. Um, and I'm assuming that your bread and butter is cigars, right? Yes, for or sure. our cigars, yeah, for sure. Um, actually, but our accessory lines actually do really well. Yes. Okay, it's amazing. Okay, it's amazing. I've had uh, the Lotus line for. Lotus, Lotus kind of puts you on the map, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we don't we don't carry Lotus maybe just yet, but Not we're yet. always kind of great looking. product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you had you had gifted me uh, one model. I still have it. I should have brought it in today, and it has the V cutter also oh, yeah, the, built in with it. With the I think it's a double or triple torch. Triple a Duke, the Duke V. The yeah, Duke the Duke. V. Yeah. Okay, that's what it's called. That's one of our more popular ones. Yeah, for when sure. I was when I was starting out, I wanted a, an accessory line because I only had a few lines, cigar lines to sell. Right. So if you go to a shop and you're talking to the retailer, he goes, nah, I don't want that line. Well, then you're out of the shop. You're, well, I'll see mm-hmm. you later. But everyone has to get started on fire. So That's I right. wanted a lighter line so I could be in every shop. Oh. So they saw me a lot. Interesting. Getting, selling them lighters. Huh. Once I got, I was very fortunate and blessed enough to get Lotus. Uh, great company, great people. And I've had them for a long time, which actually kept me in the shop. So when I did get a, a new cigar line brought on, I go, hey, yo, thanks for the lighter order. Here's a new cigar I've got. And they go, oh, okay. Well, now they trust me because I've been selling them lighters. So it worked out great. Yeah. That's an interesting strategy of how you established yourself. Um, Because I'm sure that's if someone wants to be a broker, right? Like how how does one enter the market in like an established old world relationship-based industry? It's hard to get, say, a foundation, right? You already locked them up in your territory. So that's interesting that you went about it by by starting with like an accessories company. Yeah, and that's back which is what it. every shop needs, right? Just right. besides cigars. No matter if the, this cigar doesn't taste right or that cigar uh, costs too much, mm-hmm. they all have to start them on fire. Yeah. Now, when did you start brokering? Twenty. Uh, um, yeah, twenty fourteen. Yeah, May. So by cigar standards, it's still very young. Oh, I guess still got the barcodes on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it's impressive to see like the 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 portfolio you, you've you've developed uh, with like Illusione and Foundation, yeah, we're very, as well. Uh, very blessed to get all those guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of crazy for me because like he started in 2014, and that was like kind of at the end of uh, for high school for me. Okay, you know, and so I went to college, and like you know, when you go to college, it's completely different. And so when I came out of college, he was like the man when it came mm-hmm. to the cigar industry. I don't know about that. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Back that up. Uh, <laughs> No, it's it, and then 
And then when I actually got to the show, everyone's like, oh my God, you're Fish's son. And I'm like, that's, I, yeah, he's my dad. I've known him my whole life. What do you mean? Yeah, to you, it's just, that's what I'm saying. It's just so crazy to see how, how he's grown, like yeah. through this business. It's, uh, it's just crazy to me. You know, it's just, I'm glad he brought me on and trusted me enough to have the have the discipline to do that. It does take a lot of discipline to be a cigar broker. I'm mm-hmm. telling you what, no one's telling you to go out and do all these things. Like you gotta you gotta have the, your own initiative to go. It's easy mm-hmm. until it's not. You know what I mean? Everyone thinks it's all rainbows and daisies, uh, driving every single day, be living on the road a lot. But I mean, it is very rewarding for sure. Well, and that's the misconception about being a cigar rep in general broker or in-house rep yeah is that you're sitting around cigar shops smoking cigars yep. that's about five percent of it well that's a perception that and consumers have of of retail owners right <laughs> yeah that we're just sitting down smoking in the back yeah just watching the register ring up yeah, magically droves right? of people walking yeah. in standing in line they, they don't see like me cleaning up the ashtrays which i'll do or clean the toilets right like i just tell people like even when we hire new uh staffers i tell them look whatever misconceptions or preconceptions you had about um a cigar salesman throw them out the window because we're basically just glorified janitors right yeah <laughs> well, so i try to like i try to make it to where they don't want a job right that way if if they say yes they're still interested like okay well he, he, they might be serious yeah mm-hmm. yeah no it's being a broker is it's, it's the same it's, same you know it's situation yeah it's people think it's all glamorous 100 and, and a lot of it what people don't talk about too is uh, so I went to school at AM Corpus Christi, uh, and, uh, I was on the education side of kinesiology. So oh. what my degree was, was dealing with every type of personality mm-hmm. and my emphasis was in communication. So I had to do presentational, nonverbal, all these other things. So I can, I can read people very well. And, uh, and when you're dealing with, you can't a, read me though. <laughs> When you're dealing with you these gotta re- put good poker face, huh? When you're dealing with these retail owners, they see people day in, day out. They've been doing it for years, mm-hmm. so they can read people so yeah, yeah. easily. Yeah, they size you, you know? up. Exactly. Yeah. And so all you have to do is just be an authentic human and right. that's about it. You right. know, and, and that's just what it is. You know, you can, if you can just be a trustworthy, authentic human, it, it comes easy, you know. So Yeah, yeah, we we have kind of a reputation, I'm sure, with uh my father who he has this stone cold face, like He's, he can be intimidating for for some sales reps. He intimidated me the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a nice guy. He's but I think guy. it's by design. Like he wants to see how because we've seen so many people not last long, right, mm-hmm. from the sales side. And so it's like, why? Uh, for me, I'm the opposite, right? I think that's why. And we kind of joke. That's why everyone calls me because I'm a little more just jovial. Cop, and, you're the good cop. Yeah, he's yeah, the bad yeah, cop. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he, I mean, without him, we wouldn't we wouldn't have survived. So I probably would have spent us in, into bankruptcy <laughs> if he didn't have the check. So. It works, but once you break him, like he he's just he, he he'll open up and even be a prankster and, and, and be jovial. But that's just insight from our side, and I'm sure you deal with that kind of personality from the cigar shop yeah, owners. And, and Some that are just like tough. The cigar world is a very more knows. It's a very emotional business. Like any good cigar store can sell any cigar in their shop. They're really just going to push the people that they like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if they like right. you. Yeah, if they like you, they're gonna they're gonna push your stuff no matter what, you know. So to be to be to, candid, to, to, a, to an extent, of course. I, yeah. I don't know how you retailers do it because when we do our job, mm-hmm. we have a finite number of personalities we're gonna deal with. We're right, deal with you. Yep. We know who you are. Yeah, I don't know how many like. shops you have. Let's just say five hundred. I don't know, maybe yeah, not. We have three, but you do have finite. Right. Yeah. Every time we meet this, go into that shop. Yeah. There's that guy. Mm-hmm. You open the door and go. 
come in. Yeah. And so you guys, you're getting every from oh, soup yeah. to you, nuts. I don't I, know how I you mean, do I've it. seen every type walk of life come into the cigar store from the doctors to the lawyers to the guy with no shoes on. It's mm-hmm. crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes we're the same. Yeah. So, so <laughs> our point, like to, to, to underscore that point, you guys have it easier in that regard in that you have a finite amount of customers. Right. And I guess the workload isn't like our entity. So between our two stores, and we have 14,122 registered com- customers. Wow. That's just registered. Wow. And you could probably, I guess for every one registered com- uh, customer, we probably have maybe two or three that don't register. Mm-hmm. That's like regular. So, I mean, that's just to give you insight into like just the sheer volume of, of, wow. of people we got to deal with. Yeah, see, I, that's, I, hats off to you guys. Yeah. And that's something I understood right off the jump, hmm. you know, because like I said, this is your livelihood. I'm going to take it very seriously. And uh, you you can tell from a mile away. I'm pretty sure if someone's pulling your pulling your leg or not. You know what I mean. So mm-hmm. thank you for saying leg. <laughs> <laughs> the third so, one. <laughs> so like, to continue this this topic, what what challenges have you seen that retailers have to deal with working like a cigar retail setting? Uh, it's the, a, a lot of it is the uh, like you mentioned like managing personalities, right? The customer yeah. and consumers. Yeah, it's I think it's the changing market, the changing prices. I mean, when the when oil prices went up. Cigar prices went up. Mm-hmm. I mean, autumn and 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 uh, the, I think I would now that I think about it, the number one challenge, and, and may, you can help me with this one if it's this correct, yeah, yeah. is that customers don't understand that cigars are a an organic product, and when you're out of them, it's not that the factory stopped making them. It's like the crop was bad. It yeah. was a it wasn't a bumper crop. It was a bad crop. So they, they we're not going to get them until another six months. It's not like making trailer hitches. Yeah. So I think that's yeah something that you can flip a switch and it's automated. It's like, maybe why, easier why to source. Of, why are you out of so and so? Well, we, uh, we just don't have them in yet. Yeah. They're still in process. They think that you're just not ordering them or being right. silly with your inventory or yeah. something. I see that a lot. I know during the lockdowns, one of the major choke points. I mean, there were several choke points in the supply chain. Probably the the most I heard though was the the sourcing of of paper goods. I.e. cigar bands, oh, yeah. uh, box labels, vistas, the, filetes. The stuff you don't think about. Right. Yeah. It wasn't really the cigars that were out of stock. Uh, and I can't speak for every manufacturer, right? Because I'm sure some manufacturers, they didn't, they couldn't forecast. They didn't know. Like our last guest from Perdomo, he kind of gave us insight. Like no one really knew in the industry what to expect during the lockdowns. Like a oh, lot of yeah. people kind of clammed up and... You know, batting down the hatches, thinking like, uh-huh. oh, well, well, no one's going to be smoking. So, and I feel like the cigar world exploded. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because everyone's just sitting at home. You yep. know, so it really put the cigar world on the map. Yeah, I mean, I love. Uh, I think it's CAA, Cigar Association of America, that puts out an annual, or or at least quarterly, numbers of imports. And yeah, during 2020, 21, like it exploded. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. We and to that your point, we had a butane shortage during the lockdown. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and yeah. it Aluminum. wasn't the yep. butane that was a shortage. It the was, cans, it was the cans. Yep, yeah, yep. It's crazy. That happened. I heard. I was talking to someone in the uh, alcohol industry. They said the bottles were the issue. Wasn't the the oh. actual liquid? He was sourcing bottles. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. That happened. I used to work at a bar, and we couldn't get Patron because okay. of because we couldn't get the glass Patron bottles. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the unintended consequences are like things you don't think about. Right. That exactly. caused the the you know the supply chain disruptions. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, have you seen things kind of normalize, kind of calm oh, yeah. down now that people have kind of caught up? Yeah, yeah people are shocked that it's back to normal. You know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's almost like 
got to pinch myself. Is this like real? Like, oh, I can request a certain box and it's it's in stock. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. It's coming in a week. Yeah. But yeah, no, like sourcing was was is definitely a challenge that retailers have to contend with that you guys have also have to uh, manage uh, personalities. You know, pricing's interesting. Um, I know that, like you've seen, right? The, the the inflation rate was a lot higher during this past year and maybe two years ago than than you know it's higher than than average. Um, from what I've seen, you can expect about one to two percent increases every year but i saw this past few years oh, yeah. companies going up as high as five percent it was ten percent yeah i mean that's that's huge that's a sticker shot for for end consumers to see that yeah i'm usually the messenger but i usually end up getting shot yeah. <laughs> do you really get a lot of retailers get upset about increases because i'm going to give you my insight i mean and, and i get, I get customers at events will complain to me about Okay, and consumers. They're like, yeah, sure. well, in the, they're like, it's a third world country. They're paying them 20 bucks. Why are the prices going up? So, well, it has to get here. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you have to put in a gas in a boat and off it goes. From what I understand, too, shipping containers, the price of shipping containers yep. went from like $3,000 a container yeah. up to like nine to 12000 in some cases. It went up to twenty actually. Oh, they, really? Was, $20? They, and oh. they went into a bidding war. So, they would, they would actually, you'd have to bid on the container. Let's say your bid was twenty grand. And you thought, okay, great, my stuff's going out, and somebody bid twenty one. Well, they gave it to them. They didn't tell sure. you. Off, off oh went. my gosh! Yeah, hey, it was insane. The yeah. stuff, the stories we would hear from our manufacturers is just right, crazy. Wow. And another problem now is the border being open. Uh, what country was down ten percent population? Nicaragua's yeah, yeah. Population I've been hearing that from other manufacturers. Crazy ten percent yeah. country population decrease. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I've been hearing the stories too from other manufacturers in that regard. Um, yeah. And so a lot of and consumers don't realize the labor force has been leaving, you know, Latin America for the U.S. And as a result, the rolling capacity has decreased. Yep. Um, so that's going to be, you know, I guess a challenge that that the industry will have to navigate. Mm -hmm. But going back to the shipping containers, so other companies were were outbidding the other to get those containers. And that that was probably from other industries, right? Too, not just yeah. I mean, cigar yeah Amazon got to get their stuff too. You from, know? What, yeah, yeah, yeah. from what our perspective was, the the cigar manufacturers and the accessory manufacturers were coming out of China. Mm. That was that was uh, coming out of China was brutal. I mean, the the cost of I had uh, at one point they were actually the popular stuff was being air freighted to make sure we got it because you couldn't you couldn't count on getting a container. Yeah, which you know the company was eating it basically. Yeah, I've heard from other manufacturers they discontinued certain products that they source or some of the goods um, that they source from China where they had to discontinue those products because they just couldn't – they were having challenges with Asia. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Um, going back to pricing and inflation with our industry, uh, and, and this is public, you know, Steve Sock had posted something – I don't know if it was last year or sometime earlier this year, like the dirty secret with – you know, price increases. Of course, end consumers hate that, right? Whether you're shopping at the grocery, you got to pay 10% more on whatever good or gasoline, cigars. But even though a lot of retailers complain, I think the retailers who complain about price increases are those that don't want to have to go through the hassle of actually changing everything in their system or their yeah. cards. But the more astute retailer should kind of secretly like, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, like, we're kind of like glad to see those price increases because we only ever go up if the manufacturer goes up because we have a certain margin that 
we, we, we need a, to survive on. Right. So, you know, like we, we give raises to our employees. We see our rents go up. We see all these other costs. Like we, we kind of need to see the supply side of the products to go up mm-hmm. so we can maintain those margins. Yeah. And with the end consumer seeing everything going up. Right. Seeing the scars go up is not, not as bad as mm-hmm. if just cigars went up, yeah. for instance. Yeah. But to give you some background on my situation, I went to school intending to go to the financial world. Um, so I majored in finance, and Wall Street was kind of in the, 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 the tracks for me. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I gave that up because I loved the cigar industry so much. And I, like one takeaway from, from my studies is that the people, the wealthy people who maintain their wealth – usually maintain that via holding assets. 100%. Right? Tangible, typically, right? 100%. Whether it's land, yep. precious metals. Uh, you don't want to really hold cash because cash can deteriorate, Oh yeah, right, with inflation. You know, a dollar today won't necessarily buy uh, – that dollar tomorrow won't, won't buy necessarily the same amount of goods. Right. right? And, and you've probably seen it, right? 100%. Going to cigar shops, the truly wealthy people usually deal with land. Yeah. Um, whether they, they maintain it and acquire more yeah that's that's a real secret of success for 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 achieving wealth so it is kind of like one of those dirty secrets like retailers might complain about oh man these prices are rising the consumer is really who suffers mostly right um especially their salaries don't keep up with it but you know we re, like mom and pop retailers kind of need that too um 100%. but there's also the challenge of like you don't want to price yourself out of the market yeah i mean whatever's happening right now in the whole world is like it's not sustainable something's got to give some dominoes are going to be falling mm-hmm. in this coming year or so mm-hmm. like so i don't know what's going to happen i'm not one of those conspiracy theory guys but some this whatever this yeah, is yeah. is not sustainable you know what right. i mean so well I knowing like, like i said the the insight knowledge i have with like the money supply and the banking system i've kind of alluded to like holding cash can be detrimental for one maintaining wealth, right? Yeah, not you want to take that cash and convert it into maybe stocks or land or some other yeah. asset that can give you a return on on yeah. investment. Hundred percent. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just so crazy right now. Like with real estate, everything blowing up. Me living in yeah. Austin. Oh yeah, you've seen it too. Huh? Oh my god, dude! Like I got my rent went up three hundred dollars for the same doors and windows. Like, what wow. am I paying for? You know, and uh, right. it's just like. Right now, if you're a single, like I'm like a guy like me, a single man, you got to be making 115 grand just to qualify for a regular three bedroom, two bath house. It's it's crazy, you know. So uh, that's not the American dream, you mm-hmm. know. So whatever whatever this is, it's it's gonna have to have to fix. Well, I also think, you know, besides a person, if if they're wishing to to create wealth, um, another secret, I guess, or or, or one potential route is, is to to be an entrepreneur. To create your own product or or open up your own business, you guys are doing it right because you're you're really not working for a company. Correct. There's yeah, no like cap on what your salaries could be. Correct. Yeah. So so it's in our, essence, it, you are an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's like we're an LLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas, let's say, and I'm not disparaging in-house reps, but they have a salary, right? Usually, I don't, I don't know what every company's different. I'm sure with with their compensation, but usually there's a base. Then they have um, bonuses if they meet certain targets, but to me, there's still always going to be a cap. Well, they in get that their scenario, hotels right? paid for, their travel paid for. Yeah, oh, stuff. there are trade-offs, right? There yeah. are benefits in that route. Yeah, you have to pay for your yeah, expenses. Yeah, right? we turn the ignition key, the meter starts running. Mm. Well, yeah, for us, it's eat what you kill. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, yeah. if we're not, that's the, another thing. It's our it's our own discipline. If we're not going outside and and going to these shops or whatnot, 
we're not seeing these people, they're going to lose our trust and that's it. You know, so yeah. it's about staying consistent, staying diligent and just so, yeah, being, doing the right things when no shots, one is watching. Not having a cap on your income. Yeah. That, that, so that's the benefit, right? That's a, the the max or a potential that you don't really have a cap. You're really rewarded based on your sales and your performance. Correct. But the negative is that you do have to pay for everything. Yeah. Rent, your car, expenses, gas, travel, lodging, food. Yeah, whereas it took, it other took me sales years before I was making money. Yeah. I was, uh, that's, a, yeah that's what I'm saying. Yeah. When I was, I went off to college, like he was just, oh, I'm a cigar guy. And I'm like, Okay. I well, yeah, yeah. sure. Good luck. I'm, yeah, yeah. As I'm like, what are your like? I'm going through college. What do your parents do? Oh, my dad's a cigar broker. They're like, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like, never heard of that. And there's not many of us, you know. Because, right. I mean, we are a small industry, right? Exactly. We're so this, niche. The, this that, big around, yeah. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's just uh, it's eat or be eaten in this industry for sure. So mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. about having a good personality and being able to tell jokes and hold a conversation, just hang out. Yeah. It's not really like, we're not going to just be like, oh, buy this cigar. You know, it's it's about, it's an emotional business. You got to be able to be likable. So that's what I also am interested with, like certain brands, certain legacy brands, um, say like the Fuentes or Padrones that they got to be in every shop, right? Yeah. They can almost, I wouldn't say they're resting on their laurels, but they don't really have to push their product. Yeah. There's already demand for it. Sure. But yeah. I really feel for like the new guy. Especially the, and they, they all start out as boutique, uh-huh. um, yep. out of necessity, right? Where they, they're they're finite uh, capital. Trying to get shelf space is is a challenge for them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I I, re- I really do feel for for these guys that we we constantly get pitched um, for for you know begging for shelf space. Uh, you know we've and I'm not telling anyone what to do, but you know what 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 intrigues us is if if a company's willing to. Maybe sell us product on consignment, or mm. they pay us a slot fee like you see in the supermarket industry, right? Where they pay for like square footage of what space they can get. Mm. Um, that's so just ideas. I mean, that's a that's a good idea. I've never even thought of that. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 just borrowing a, a play from from the supermarket industry, yeah. right? All those shelves you see lined with like Coca Cola, they they got to pay for those slots, and they do that, that to keep the competitor out. Really? Yeah, and they have the funds to to yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Whereas you don't really, it's hard to see that in the cigar world, right? Because you alluded to that it's it's emotional. Yeah. You know, if I'm, I'm a fanboy of Foundation and Nick, yeah, I don't care. I don't need to 100%. request that. I'm just gonna because I love this cigar, right? Hundred percent. As a retailer, that's mm-hmm. why when I first started out, it was so hard for me because like I was so, I did mobile homes for two years and that was all I knew coming out of college and like mm. when mobile homes, you got to know every single thing about the mobile home because this is their they're putting this is the biggest purchase of their life you know they're not just it's not buying a sandwich you know you're buying a house so like i knew how it was built uh what factory it's coming out of what it's made of every all the pipes the toilets everything and then when i come here it's uh cut cut light hey how's it going you know it's like good (laughs) how about those cowboys yeah for real yep going back to that there's so many I always find it funny when I hear our end consumers, especially arguing with themselves, you know, they're, they're pro Cowboys or pro uh-huh. Saints and uh-huh. hearing the hate. There are a lot of Cowboys fans in, in Louisiana. Oh, really? Especially in Shreveport, like in Northwest. But we like South Louisiana, I always kind of jokingly considered North Louisiana as like Texas or some other. Right. Yeah. Yankees. Well, yeah, we call them Yankees. That. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That. That's a lot of because te- I, I lived in Corpus Christi for seven years and everyone called me a Yankee being from Dallas, you know. So, oh, wow. Uh, Same thing. We're the, we're the preppy boy. We're the preppy boys from from yeah. the Texas side. But 
I don't care. True and true. Uh, D town till I die. Yeah, <laughs> nice man. Yeah, there's H town and what, now D town. Oh yeah, big rivalry, big rivalry for okay. sure, for sure. Yeah, those are probably the two biggest markets, right? In for Texas, sure. Dallas and Houston. Yeah, so I'm sure there's rivalry. I mean, don't not get to me mention wrong. The baseball. Don't get me happens. wrong. Uh, San Antonio is definitely pumping yeah. oil for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the big three, and then Austin's uh, obviously uh, getting big. Uh, and what I find fascinating is Austin is really becoming. This cigar center, right? You mentioned, get, you alluded to get ready, at Havana House. Get ready for Austin in 10 years. It is going to be insane because yeah. I see all the construction right now. There's a shortage on cranes in just because of the construction in Austin. They uh, So are you familiar with Austin at all? Do you know? No, Rick? I've never been. I've always wanted to go to oh Austin. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So there's like multiple bar districts. There's like 6th Street and like the Domain, which is like, I don't Have you ever been to da- Dallas at all? Uh, I spent a little time there, but not much. So like there's mm. like a... Like it's like high end, like luxury bars, restaurants, things like that. Okay. And then there's Rainy Street. So Rainy Street used to be like all these old historic homes and things like that. And the city said, "Here's five million dollars for your house. Get out. We're gonna put a skyscraper here." Oh man. So they're they're totally un- uh, under construction. They're building the the tallest building in Texas right now. It's like a convention center. It's it's everything, and that's still under construction. There's wow. cranes everywhere around Rainy Street. Yeah. It is crazy. So Austin in 10 years is going to be insanely huge. It's already huge, but yeah. in 10 years, it's going to be insane. 130, the what that highway that loops around Austin, okay. was when it was first built. I remember, like I think it was 2012 it was first built. Now it's almost all developed. Like It's crazy wow. how much is going up in there. The and everyone's moving to Austin. You got the Boring Company. You got Samsung. Yeah. Uh, Tesla is there. Like that's what's where they're the, building. What's the Boring Company. Boring Company is. Uh, like it's not very. Exciting. It's an Elon Musk. Company, it's Elon right? Musk company. Oh, they're the yeah. one digging. The really wasn't very exciting. They're they're digging yeah, yeah. holes underneath <laughs> underneath the ground. I believe in. Uh, that's exciting. Las Vegas. <laughs> Las Vegas. They have a. Uh, a tunnel that goes from the convention center to oh wow for somewhere I, I i don't know all of it but i've driven past it and the, elon bought both sides of the highway and there's a tunnel they're drilling underneath the highway and believe it or not some insider information <laughs> uh so i used to work at a bar mm-hmm. in uh, at a resort in corpus christi uh, all through college and the the um what's it called it the permit guy for travis county personally met with elon to make these plans to build a tunnel that's going to go underneath Travis Lake Travis, which is like the main lake in Austin, okay. all the way out to El Paso, and he's like, "You're going to need you're going to need this, this, this," and he just started writing checks. This was about two, three years ago. So there's something happening with that. So he's like acquiring land, huh? He's acquiring to, to, land, to, and he's trying to build mm. an underground uh, tunnel to yeah. make traveling way easier because Man, with all this Austin growth, to El Paso. Austin, how far is that by car drive 10 hours yeah that's a hell of a tunnel oh he that's like this is a that's why i'm saying get ready in 10 years it's a lot of shovels uh and and, and again i also am intrigued by what's going on in texas because louisiana unfortunately we miss out on a lot of our population yeah and i get it for better opportunity for texas you know it's just crazy Mm. i i it's kind of a blessing to be in the austin area honestly you just get to see it all happen in front of you you know so and then not to mention, like, with Joe Rogan, right? And oh, yeah. Joe Rogan, cigars, Austin, it all intersects, right? Yeah. The fact that he's smoking cigars is awesome. We, yeah. Foundation yep. made a cigar for let, let Joe alone, Rogan. Let alone right. he's smoking Nick stuff. But. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, I was talking to Nick over the summer about, like, how that went down and just – I mean, it's got to be a blessing for for his company and, oh, yeah. and really also for the cigar industry. 100%. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 100%. Yeah. Just not, not, not just foundation, but 
Yeah, you popped like, open a cigar. And- yeah, seeing the number one podcaster, although I saw a headline yesterday that he just, dro- he just dropped a number two. It was like the most popular uh, podcaster on Spotify. But regardless, he's still, number, yeah, number two he's still, still influential. Right. Cool. But to see him have to, to have, you know, um, ha- ha- grown appreciation for cigars. Not not only just cigars, he also uh, has that comedy club down in Austin as well. Have and, you been? Oh yeah, I saw Ron White over there. It was awesome. Another cigar smoker. Yeah, yep. it was it was awesome. Yep. Yeah, and uh, he's just he just put Austin on the map for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's and and, I, and I've been listening to his podcast now. I guess for the last two three years on and off, and just to hear these stories of like Austin blowing up when he left California during the lockdowns for greener pastures in texas mm-hmm, like it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see that oh yeah for sure and then how cigars are are related i guess as part of that oh and apple duh apple's moving to uh as has already moved to austin as well, well yeah oh, but i didn't know that smoke cigars nah, but, but yeah, just yeah, some, yeah. it's just more growth you know it's yeah, just crazy no. you know i always lament speaking of like the technology sector uh and think of like social media companies they've always been anti-tobacco T- tiktok yeah. has an office in austin as well Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh, it's man. in the Chase yeah, building. The, the, the huh. anti-tobacco. Sentiment, with the especially the tech sector. Yeah. it's In Austin, if, if it's going to get uh, anything crazy is going to happen in Austin. Texas, yeah, yeah, yeah. the rest of Texas is Texas. But yeah. Austin, they always, I, have a, uh, a t- I have a T-shirt that says, don't California my Texas. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. I've so, seen <laughs> like that saying. Yeah, yeah that sentiment. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. But you're right. It's uh, they. Uh, I, I always say that... Uh, I'm going to start an anti-eggplant lobby because I don't like eggplants, so you should need eggplant. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love eggplants. Yeah, well, that's what, but I know, no, I know. no, you can't because I, I don't like right, it. Right, right. Yeah, that whole like sentiment of um, you know, like anti-choice or really for for someone else's decisions, right? Right. You know, as long I think we uh, reasonable people, as long as you don't adversely affect someone else. Sure. Right. Like, why should anyone care what the other person does? Yeah, hundred percent. Less closed, government. If you're in a cl- enclosed shop. Yeah, smoking cigars. You're not bothering anybody. Yeah. Why can't you? Right. You know what? You know what's crazy in California. I heard that uh, it's illegal to smoke a cigar on the beach, but you can smoke weed. Oh, That's yeah. what gets me. Like I hate that. That is crazy. You know, that should be all or nothing. That is right. crazy. You this, what's this the will, difference? This is biodegradable. Yeah. I, mean, I know the difference, but what's you know? the difference? Right. Well, you can't get drunk or high on the. I mean, I guess if you do it incorrectly, but I well, mean, I I've, you, I've never heard of anyone getting ticketed for driving under the influence of cigars. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, it might be the medicinal thing. I mean, yeah, yeah. These poor people have to have glaucoma. They got to be token up. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but no, but I bring up like the tech sector and their view on cigars, and I I don't know if if they differentiate. I'm sure like most of them are really after cigarettes, right? Yeah. Yeah, we get thrown into the mix, unfortunately. But then we talk about choice. So I'm sure that's something that we can debate. Well, I mean, these tech companies are private. So in one s in in one side, I get that if they want to be anti tobacco, that's fine. It's it's their business. It's their right. Yeah. But I used to think like that until like these social media companies and t- the tech sector have almost become like utilities, where now they're so important and integral to our economy, to our society. Maybe people should look at them in a, in a different light. Yeah. Not just as private sector but now as utilities where they need some regulation like that 100 percent. shout out twitter you know yeah well that's what so when elon bought twitter and now it's x we tweeted out something to him we didn't we weren't expecting any response but kind of bringing up this point you know like we hope now that if you're about free speech um 
hopefully you would allow the cigar sector to advertise. 100%. Because we've always wanted to advertise on the Facebooks and Instagrams, the X's, but we always get the the rejection yeah. automated email from these companies saying, well, you're dealing tobacco that's against our policy. Yeah. Which, all right, I guess, you know, you are kind of messed up. A, a, a company, though, but you have the right to reject us. Yeah. But yeah, like TikTok. My fear is, well, what if you don't like, you said eggplants, or you don't like a certain religion? You know, you, you see where it, I'm getting It's at? a fine line. It's yeah, a fine yeah, line. Yeah. It, it, it's either all or nothing, you mm-hmm. know? And, I don't, and like in TikTok, you can't smoke on video. But I've seen it. But I mean, I've seen it though. I I understand, like like back in the day, like or I guess now still, uh, alcohol commercials. You're not allowed to drink on a commercial. Mm. But like, where does that fall in the place right. too? So it it's all or nothing. And what's weird is I've seen. I think like the Facebooks of the world ha- typically have an anti-alcohol policy with advertising. Mm-hmm. But I've seen the yeah. ads from big yeah. corporations, like alcohol corporations. Yeah. So I kind of wonder about like. Well, you say one thing, but you're allowing it 100 on the other. Maybe it depends on how much the uh, the payoff the is. check was. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The dominoes are going to fall. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about other companies that you guys rep. What could, what insights or news can you offer? Say like from Illusione. Illusione just redid their packaging. Okay, how's uh, that going? That's good. Our sales went right up. Okay, right the show yeah, they've absolutely. got all the gourd uh, the MJ 12s, which was the majestic 12s. Uh, conspiracy theory. Oh yeah, I'm big into that too. I, I love. Uh, and the, unfortunately, um, they took yeah. all that stuff away Wait, because well, what? the consumer was us guys in the industry knew all that stuff. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so, people at home, we got it right here. So we they took away the now it's the original documents Maduro instead of the MJ12 Maduro. Or are you they calling it Toro? No, it's a, oh I'm sorry, no it's a Gordo. Oh, okay, it's a Gordo. Okay, so yeah. all the Gordos. So let me see. That's that's the new packaging. Yeah, all the can, Gordos are in, in colored foil. And the reason for that is, uh, oh, interesting. Uh, uh, heretofore, the the consumer would look at the spread of Illusioni, and the boxes were all very similar with kind of hard to read fonts. Yeah, you can um, open it up. And the okay. the uh, uh, the MJ twelves, uh, the Maduro and the Corojo, which is it silver used to be wrapped, black for the Maduro and silver for the natural, right? Mm-hmm. And they sell like crazy, right? Yeah. The one that, you can't, the one you can't see. But I know, you see it on the, the shelf. I know, I know. So I would be I would be in an event with uh, telling Illusione, pushing Illusione, and I'd have an eight foot table full of Illusione, and I would get a customer come up and go, "Tell me about your brand. I've never heard of this before." I'd give them the whole spiel, and and so I so said, "Which one do you want to take?" And they would take the, the MJ12, the oh, one they can't see after wow. the after five minutes yeah. of talking about it and seeing all that product. So this was the hook. And there's, Interesting. There's only a couple of retailers that do it, but they'll get. All of the ones with the all the gordos with the foil band on them, and it looks really good in the shop because it's they have the blue habano, they have the purple ultra, the black and silver uh, MJ12s, and then they have the cruzado that's gold. And when you line them all up, it just oh, catches yeah. your Pops. eye, yeah. catches yeah, yeah. your eye immediately. Like, what is that? And then yeah. they all want to try it. Yeah, and the, the good thing is too, they're good cigars. Hundred percent. Oh, of course. Once you go yeah, through, yeah, yeah. Once, once you go Dion definitely knows stuff. what he's doing. And then to give some um, explanation to to listeners. Uh, with Illusione, Dion Giolito is the owner, founder. Correct. Uh, where does he have his cigars made? Uh, Nicaragua. In, in Nicaragua? Yeah. It's Agonorsa? I believe correct? so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He's got a palate like I know. nobody's business. He's le- yeah, he's legendary in that regard. Yeah. You know, he used to have a podcast. I don't know if he still does. Not sure either. Yeah. I was reading a stat on that. Uh, Nick probably has more insight, our producer. The average podcast doesn't make it past... It's like I forget what exact majority, but 
like the, most of them fail after or, or end up or close after like 20 episodes. Really? So the fact we're on like number, I guess this is number 28 or something like that. Uh, so far, right, knock on wood, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're still in it. That's awesome. Yeah. But no, I love the new packaging that Illusione has implemented. And you can see that even with the foil off, the band is much more pronounced. Yeah, yeah and all the other all yeah. the other sizes are going to be just like that. So, okay, with that the same style yeah. packaging, band. yeah, band. Yeah, yeah that's the cool. The, the candela, the, the candela, box look very similar to that. The candela okay. looks like that. Uh, everyone looks like that now. So if I place an order today, I should get the new packaging from every SKU. They flushed out. Hundred percent. Okay. Not every SKU has oh. new packaging. Okay. Yet. Okay. For the most Not. part, all the original documents. It's like the upper name box is still going. It's going to look like the upper name box. Oh, okay. But uh, it's just the original documents. Ultra, yeah, that, that's exactly. what I meant. Original yeah, yeah. documents. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's. I mean, yeah, I love this uh, packaging. So, I'm sure that'll that'll improve. Uh, uh, it already has. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I got a, I got a story. He j he just started in the industry. <laughs> and I'm driving <laughs> in my one. I'm driving in my car and he, I pick it up and I go, "What's going on?" He said, "Well, hey, I'm smoking this H1 that you gave me. It's really good." Well, well, it's you know the fonts mm -hmm, are kind of weird. Mm -hmm. So I said, uh, "Well, it's an HL. Yeah, yeah. Stands for Holy Lance." He goes, "Holy Lance." So yeah, it's homage to the sword that killed Christ. There's this pause, and he goes, "I'm not getting any of those flavors." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't know what the references were like, and he's big into like the occult and history. Dion is yeah. with his his branding. Um, I know there's been some controversy over the years. But for me, I, I'm a, I love conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know, references to the occult, the deep state, and all that. Oh yeah. So like for me, I appreciate that that kind of yeah. branding and marketing. Yeah. Well, I don't know how. Yeah, I, cool. I didn't know the Holy Lance. I thought that was maybe reference to like something with uh, like King Arthur. But that no, could I was told it was the the sword that killed yeah. Christ. Oh wow. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know how Dion does it. He can tell everything about a cigar. I'm a red light or a green light. You know, yeah. it's either good or it's dirt. You know, so yeah, compared to Dion, I don't know which end the light. Well, so. and he's positioned yeah. himself as being like this authority on flavor profiles, knowing the characteristics of of each tobacco leaf. So it's pretty cool to, to you know see basically a cigar nerd, and that's a you know a prop yeah. you know a prop to you know not not not, not a demeaning. I'm a proud cigar an elite, myself. An elite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the cigars mm -hmm. show it. I mean, the cigar, there's not a dog in the bunch. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything's great. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Cavalier. We were talking about Cavalier before we, we came into the studio. Yeah. Uh, that's a company we're looking at um, doing some business with. Can you give me some background on Cavalier, either of you? Sure. Uh, Sebastian, uh, a gentleman who owns the line, he started out as an entrepreneur, or actually wasn't an entrepreneur, if I remember the story right. I apologize to Sebastian if I'm getting this wrong. But he, he said, I'm not going to work. I'm going to work for myself. That's it. Okay. So he opened yep. up a tobacco shop in Europe. Mm. And ultimately, he came over here. He's, he's Swiss, right? Isn't Correct. he Swiss? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, he's a terrific guy. Uh, down to earth, for sure. Down yeah. to earth. Very, he's very unassuming. He's very smart, but he's very calm. Very, yeah. Very level-headed, huh? Yeah, I was on the road with him. And I was, he knows like six languages. What? Yeah. Oh, he's oh, a yeah. polyglot. He's crazy. I never get a chance to say the word polyglot. So <laughs> got to throw in there. I was Scrabble afraid if I called him that, he'd punch me. No, 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 no. <laughs> polyglot, someone who can speak multiple languages. Yeah, yeah. he definitely yeah. does that. Yeah. And so now they used to uh, get distributed out of uh, the Illusioni warehouse, but now they go direct out of Honduras. Okay, can you give insight into that? Because, yeah, I thought Cavalier was being imported and distributed by Illusioni, but now they changed? Yeah, so they got a, they've got factories uh, and a distribution center in Honduras. Okay. And they ship it. Direct from Honduras to the stores. Wow. So it'll get in the United States, go through customs, then it goes direct to the store. 
So Abana Port, out of Metairie, wants to order from Cavalier. We place the order through you. You send it down to Honduras. And then and they ship it direct from Honduras to to the door to our doorstep. To you. Without the importing. So just to give insight to people who don't know the industry, uh, most manufacturers have their own importing office in the U.S., right? Whether right. it be in Texas or Florida. Usually it's in South Florida. Right. So, like, if I'm ordering from, like, Dion, uh, his stuff is shipped from Nicaragua and it goes to Reno. Correct. Right, where his importing office is. Correct. And from Reno goes all over the country. Correct. But Cavalier does it differently. Correct. When I, whatever I order, there's no, like, importing office or warehouse. No, the, the, the once it leaves... Uh, uh, Honduras. Honduras, yeah, Honduras thank you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, getting old. Yeah, yeah. Once it leaves Honduras, you're the next guy to see it. Wow. Now, what are I mean? Are there pros and cons? What are well, some of the? Uh, it's a little wonky that in that uh, when it leaves Honduras, UPS gives it a track number. When it gets to the United States and goes through customs, after it leaves customs, it gets another track number. Okay. So when you call us, for instance, when you say, "What's my track number?" We have to wait till customs to get the real track number. Oh, I see. So if you have that track, sometimes it, and when it first happened, we get a little scared because it would say this package is not. Wow. In our system, we were like, "Whoa, what? <laughs> we ordered it, mm. and uh, then we'd, we'd get a new track number." Yeah, that's and that's obviously a very unique situation. You don't see that in the industry. Like I said, most of the orders are coming from, say, South Florida or whatever, wherever right. else in the country it is. But it's coming direct from the factory. I just wonder logistics. Like, even if it's, I mean, is, do they have a minimum of like how many boxes? I should order because obviously they want to try to ship as much as I possible. Think, in what, I think per they order. pick up a couple times a week. I think they have a minimum to get it on the truck in in, in Honduras. I think they come by the the, the uh, uh, wherever they're shipping them out of the warehouse. Yeah, twice a week or something like that. Okay, so that, yeah, obviously they're not coming on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. but uh, that's an interesting. But there's uh, no strategy. minimum on your part, no. Yeah, the good news is about it being all in house is like let's say you're oh we're running low on white series. They just call downstairs. Hey, we need to get more white series, and they start doing that right there. Yeah, they're running low on a. a on a oh, blend. They, they know the, they tell instantly. the factory right away. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, the they, they do pretty good on that. The warehouse is a mile away from the factory. Yeah, because yeah, I guess like with this kind yeah, of example, let's say company A, um they're almost dealing like dealing with two entities, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say, um, I don't know, I'll just pick out Drew Estate. You know, they have their office in Florida and then their manufacturing facilities in Nicaragua. But I'm sure, like all these companies now with technology, they can kind of sync and see in real time what the inventory is in the factory and what it is in the warehouse. But I guess just dealing direct with the factory, they kind of have a better sense or control of, of the well, inventory. Well, also with a boutique, you know, Drew Estate, for instance, I'm sure they got. Yeah, yeah. The technology now. Yeah, it's all working like a big well oiled machine, but you got a boutique that's a little smaller. That yeah. kind of communication is not as perfect as Drew Estate mm -hmm. would say. And I'm sure that's expensive to invest in something like that, like the software. To like oh, manage got, that yeah, inventory, sure. you got that for much sure. inventory, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And the cool thing about Cavalier too, and not a lot of people know it because uh, they have that gold uh, star on all on most oh, of their lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the gold foil, huh? Yeah, the cigar, hundred yeah. percent. Uh, food grade gold. Uh, yeah, food grade gold. Mm -hmm. All hand placed mm -hmm. by one person in in the in the factory. Uh, one person that just does. It's very difficult to believe it or not. She's cranking them out. Boom, I've got boom, a video boom, of boom. it when I was down at the factory. So they all had us. All the reps that gave us a little box of, of gold, I called them squares. They say, hey, these are wrong. These are squares. I'm like, 
this <laughs> yeah yeah so or uh, diamonds or they're yeah. diamonds so i put they 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 actually put the foil the gold foil touches the cigar okay there's a release liner on the back so you have a little bit of fruit gum on the cigar so the gold goes on the cigar okay and with your finger with a little stick of fruit gum you touch the release liner till it comes up on your finger and you peel off the release liner and there's the gold Oh, now, wow. when I did it, it looked like I did it at ten feet. I mean, it was, it was horrible. I mean, oh. it's so it's everyone not, is perfect. And so when they're doing it. it, not only do they have to put it on perfect, it's got to be in the same spot every time. So when you put it in the box, it looks they amazing. All line up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not as easy as it sounds. That that is a differentiator of Cavalier cigars. I totally you, forgot yeah, about that gold. And you can smoke straight uh, through it, you know. Yep, yep. And if you don't ash it uh, through that whole st- uh, gold thing. Uh, it looks really cool. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. That that gold, like uh, you burn ash. the cigar through or the ash, like through it's, that it gold stays on yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my cool. wife's getting a real nice bracelet for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's funky it. looking, but it's gold, really. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, yeah, that that's kind of a unique. You know, some people might call it gimmicky, but that's definitely like a differentiator. Yeah, right, it on the stands shelves. out in the humidor for yeah. sure. It's like, it's like the foil on the cigar. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, everyone has their own thing that they're doing. Yep. And that's their thing, and I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I met. I got a chance. You introduced me to Sebastian this past summer. Like like you've said, yeah. just a true gentleman, mm-hmm. very humble, and you could tell like he's definitely a cigar nerd too. Yep. So it's interesting sure. that this Swiss national, like he made the move like to Honduras. Now he's based out of there. Yeah, and they, they're also coming. They came out with some new stuff uh, this past year with uh, the inner circles and uh, the Trace de la Cuentes to keep, compete with that. Uh, more entry level price point as well, and yeah. honestly, Cavalier is great on their price point because they are in house, and that's how they stay competitive too. You know, no one's going to balk at the price. You know, especially with everything going up, they really st- are staying competitive with all that. Yeah. So just to keep them above the game. Yeah, they're definitely on our watch list, and you know, I've smoked. I forgot what blend it and was. And they're good people at the end of the day too. You yeah, know, so. for sure, for sure. And you know, look in this industry, like uh, years ago, I started. Now my twentieth year in the industry. I, I worked at a, basically a, a large sea store distributor in New Orleans. And my boss, he always stressed to me that ultimately people buy from people. 100%. That's the name right. of the game it, in it's sales. It's weird. It sounds so simple. but 100%. And especially in our business, that relationships are so valued. That's, a, um, that's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, people about. buy from people. 100%. And yeah. they, yeah. they can see, and the retail guys can see straight through you. Straight through you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like if you if you if you say you're pulling pulling their leg or anything like that, they'll be able to tell. Thanks again for saying leg. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's, it's yeah. a real thing. It's mm-hmm. a real thing for sure. So yeah. you just got to focus on being an authentic being authentic and yeah. uh, doing the right things, mm-hmm. even though no one's looking. Yeah, yeah. Well, we always want to match the what we're we've got several blends or brands and blends. We want to match it with what the retailer says his clientele is like. If he's in a neighborhood that you know it's, they don't have a lot of money, he sell a lot of bundles and that kind right, of thing. Sure. We're going to sell him the, hey, well, how about the Charter Oaks? How about the uh, Trace right. Fuentes? If he's got a lot of you know big shots coming in, well, then we're going to move him up to Freud. Freud, or, yeah. Uh, oh, how's like how's that company doing? Can you, can you explain the background of Freud? Uh, a little bit. Um, the uh, it's uh, the blender is uh, Ladio Diaz, yep. former from uh, Davidoff. Mm-hmm. The cigars are fantastic, pricey. But they're very good. This young company, they've been out. Uh, I think they range from like 18 to 30, 40. Somewhere. Yeah, it's not a cheap yeah. Yeah, no. entry level or price point. It's, yeah, but fan- great yeah. smokes. Great yeah. smokes. And you mentioned Eladio Diaz. He's involved with Freud as the manufacturer. 
As a blender. Oh, okay, as a blender. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and he uh, he's legendary in that he, like you mentioned, he was the former blender for Davidoff, right? The international, well-known, ultra-premium um, cigar company, and he came out at least when he was with Davidoff, some legendary like private blends that he he made and, and Davidoff released. There was one called the Number Nine that we still people have you know asking us really about Wasn't that. Familiar yeah. with that. Hmm. And so it's interesting that, you know, he moved on and, and now is blending for, you know, going out on his own, essentially, uh, and working with people like Freud. So. And his son, uh, Miguel, is it Miguel? Uh, yeah. He's, he's a fantastic guy. He's, cra- he's a crack up. Oh, is he? I, I love him to death. He's awesome. He's great. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, th- yeah, I guess Freud is, you know, in it to try to gain some market share. Has, uh, has the uh, Super Ego gun uh, grade- graded by the uh, Cigar Aficionado yet? I can't remember. I, I think candid, they're, work, they're working so on that. I'm so used to trying to keep up with sports. I don't read Cigar Aficionado. And, and I, I know I kind of hate to admit this, <laughs> being in the industry, too. Like, I don't really keep up with Cigar Aficionado. We're just so consumed with other things. Right, yeah. And not then, to disparage Cigar Aficionado. Oh, like, no. Yeah, I know no. what you mean. It's like... It, it, we, there's just so much content out now, you know? Well, not only that, in, in the, being a broker, I've get we get 100 emails a day, that, whether mm. they're orders or price updates. A uh, new cigar shop in town. Somebody right. didn't get their stuff. Yeah. Not to mention, I'm on so, the road, so I'm yeah, not exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you have to yeah. stop and and actually read something is. I know. Yeah, I don't short. even read magazines like in general, just yeah. magazines anymore. Just yeah, consuming things via podcasts. It's like just we're, pretty we're much going. fancy uh, injury reports for me. Yeah. <laughs> fancy football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I read at the sixth grade level, so it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of tough. I, I can't even read, so no. there's there that. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you a different throw a curveball when. Can either of you recount the first time you had your first cigar oh, and yeah. what that was like? Let's get start with you. All right. So there's, this is how I got into cigars. Okay. Oh, I love the story. Uh, there's a guy in, in uh, where I was in the printing industry, and uh, a guy kept coming in from lunch. He'd smoke a pipe at lunch. He'd come in, and he was, he'd smoked aromatics, which I didn't know what an aromatic was from an elbow back then, but he smoked aromatics. He'd come in smelling of his pipe. Okay. And finally, I said, man, that... You smell so good. That stuff smells so good. He said, I want to get into pipes. He goes, well, tomorrow at lunch, I'll, let's go to the cigar shop. Let's go to the tobacco shop. It's all right. So he takes me to the tobacco shop, and this guy starts telling me about getting a pipe, and it, it was just too much. I mean, being a new, I never smoked tobacco before in my life. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they get a pipe and a lighter and a tamper and a- The whole a, ritual. A, yeah, that's all, yeah, this whole, you know, I'm building a bomb here. What's going on? Huh. And he goes, and I go, man, this seems like a lot, of, a lot going on. He goes, well, if you're not into- Doing all this, maybe you should try cigars. Oh. So he sold me three cigars. I can't remember what they were. Mm-hmm. I took them home. I lit one up. I was like, "Dead gum. These are. This is fantastic." What? And that's 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 the way it went. I smoked cigars for, I don't know, six years before I got into the industry. I can't remember the okay. timeline, but yeah, yeah. And uh, well, unless uh, what about your story? So the your first cigar. The, so my first introduction to cigars in general. Um, was we went to uh dad took me to a cigar warehouse in Plano. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yep. And um that was what? Two thousand I was not even I was not even in high school. I think it was in still middle school or mm-hmm. something like that. And I just remember smelling I'm like, oh God. Um but I think my first cigar was Southern Draw, actually. Um I can't remember what blend. It was their old bands. Uh probably a Firethorn. Probably Imagine. something like that. But I, I remember it was a Southern Dross on the back patio with him. And I think you just started uh, repping them. Well, good, but I can't remember the time. I mean, 
yeah so uh but i wasn't really into cigars at all really at all like that much um i started smoking them probably my senior year of college um and because like he was at that point uh the man of the cigar like he would come down and visit me for college he'd have his briefcase full of cigars and all my friends would be like oh cool cigar rep right. that's awesome you got all these cigars and yeah. give them to all my friends and they take like three puffs of them <clears throat> you know yeah. <laughs> it's uh one of those things but i mean i just was always uh around it you know yeah. every time i would come home and he would have this huge humidor of all these brands that he read i didn't really understand what he actually did because mm -hmm. i wasn't around it i was always in college and then um i really got immersed into it uh when he brought me on and my first week on the job was tpe you know so uh i got thrown to the wolves oh man and baptism by fire yeah pretty much uh and i'm just shaking all these hands i didn't even know what a gordo was you yeah. know what i mean so uh but I knew how to deal with people. That was right. my that was my strength. Yep. And all I did was just be myself, and people caught on to that. And, and he cleans it, up pretty good. So. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just uh, I just kind of ran with it at that point, and haven't looked back ever since. Yeah. So it's like interest via osmosis, just being around. Well, not not only that. I mean, this is the family business. My name's right. on this thing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take it with some pride, you know. And uh, I have a fear of failure, and especially letting this guy down, you know. So I can't yeah. I can't let that happen. Yeah. Period. Like. It's just, it's just not going to happen. So well, the passion, I think uh, I'll, I'll make a prediction that, that you'll do well in the industry. We, we're doing all right so far. I mean, no complaints around me yet. No one's, no one says I smell bad or anything like yeah. that. So that's good. <laughs> I thought they're telling you. Yeah, exactly. I know. Um, but you bring up an interesting point, Brad, that, um, that, that you got into cigars, fell in love with this product, and then you made it a career. And that seems to be a common theme with a lot of people in the industry. Like, they didn't maybe necessarily grow up in it, but but decided to make a career out of it because of they, they loved it so much. Well, it, it that's what I did. I do love it, uh, but the uh, printing industry was being taken over by China and the internet. Oh, so nothing like also the necessity. past forward like a burning bridge. Yeah. So uh, I was actually on the my computer one night and they were interviewing uh, the the daughter of the guy who owns La Serena Cigars, and. They talked about how she went to oh. events and all that kind was of that stuff. Was that Ariel? Yes, Something? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. God love them. They gave me my first opportunity. Okay. But they, I, I said, man, that'd be a, they, She leaned into the camera at one point and said, we're looking for a Texas rep. Wow. I was like, wow, I could do that. Because the printing industry was just going away. Yeah. So I sent them an email. A, a long story short, six weeks later, I had cigars on my front doorstep. Come on. And I went and quit my printing job, and I had one line. So that was your first line? Uh, was last year line. And, yeah. and I, I just... It's so it's so different for me because I have the name of him and he's done such a good job of having mm -hmm. that persona and everything else. Like I cannot imagine what these other guys have to go through to start building that and not mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. like, oh, you don't want my cigar? Uh, buy, you know, like it's what it is. It's tough. It is yeah. very hard to get started uh, doing this business, but it is very rewarding once you do. I read a stat years ago that said <clears throat> the average sale like for the average sale to close, the the salesman has to visit or call on the buyer at least seven times mm -hmm. on average. I've heard that. And where I've seen failure is that maybe that salesman stops maybe after visit number six and then just never close. Digging the for deal. diamonds. Digging for diamonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I say that, you know, even for people interested in building a business, and not even in the cigar world, but just any salesman, like just be consistent. You know, just keep showing, and, conveying to the buyer that you're in it in the long term. You want to be a partner. And then, and that, that's why the uh, accessory line was so vital because hmm. those seven visits, three of those was selling them lighters. 
Wow. Maybe not selling the cigar, right? But like I said, but you're able in, to gain some some, some trust. Yeah, okay, well, that, that that ugly guy's coming in here to sell me some yeah. lighters again, but he's got a cigar this time. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. just look at it. Yeah, yeah, sure. And another thing too, these guys might not buy anything from you at all all year, and then they're yep. sitting down at the booth and they're 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 at their show and they're looking around at the booth and they're like, man, who has been at my shop the most, or who has been at my shop consistently? Who have I really connected with? Oh yeah, Fish Foundation Cavalier Seven Twenty Four. I'm I'm gonna go over to there yeah. and see what they're about and everything else, and then they'll drop the bag on you, and that's yeah. that's just what it is. I love all this hip talk. Yeah. Dropping the bag. On <laughs> well, look, I mean, we value just Savannah Port value the relationship we've developed with the Fishers, and likewise, it's awesome. So, and I, I got to compliment you guys on the branding. I've always loved just to give you some you know a little opinion. The brand Cigar Fish and the logo. Who came up with that? I tell uh, them the story. Tell I them was, the story. Uh, I was starting my brokerage. And I had quit my job, and I was getting ready to do this. And I, I had been in the printing industry long enough. I've seen logos and oh. business cards, and so I had. And, and I'm relatively creative anyway. I'm a photographer. Okay. So I thought, okay, uh, and I didn't want to go in and say, "Hi, my name is Brad," because and I know a lot of other Brads. We have the same stories. You go, "Hey, my name is Brad." They go, "Nice to meet you, Brian." You get, yeah, yeah. You they get lost in the sea of Brad. Is, yeah. And then mm-hmm. you know, I can just imagine somebody going, well, "Some guy in here was named Greg, selling yeah. cigars." So, but if you say you're fish. Easy to remember that. Yeah, yeah. That was my nickname oh. forever. And so uh, I would mm. go into a cigar shop that third time, and I'd see the owner, and he'd go, so you're Fish. So, like, it's like he yeah, remembered that some guy out. named Fish came in. Yep. So anyway, so and I was looking for a Fish, uh, a, a badass-looking logo, uh-huh. and I got on uh, one of those. Uh, uh, like Fivers or Freelance? Yeah, the, the stock images. Oh, and, okay, yeah. And yeah. For, yep. for $4, I could download that Fish. And I drew the cigar in the fashion that the fish was drawn, and I'm pretty good with Photoshop. Yeah. And I dropped the cigar in his mouth, and I thought I was trying to think of fish cigar. And then there's actually a, a cigar fish there in 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 the ocean. There's a cigar or lakes or whatever. There is a cigar fish. Oh yeah, I've, I've heard not, not they mentioned look, that. Believe it or not, yeah, there's a species they called. Cigar. That, they're not about that big. Oh. So I thought I'll call it cigar fish, and uh, I picked a crazy font and. And, yeah. and went with it, and everybody. Rem- that yeah. I remember with all those brands. I remember going in my cigar shops and seeing all those brands. The only way they're going to remember me yep. is if I'm different. So, so you I'm, you've been able you found some strategy to differentiate yourself and like imprint like the like a memory of you with with, with retailers. Yes, you know, we yeah, advertise yeah. ourselves as like the one stop shop. You know, what I mean, we take care of everything that you need in a cigar shop mm-hmm. to get started or whatever else the case may be. Yeah. So it in uh, where I was going with something. I have to cut that part. John, John it. Oh. <laughs> well, no, you mentioned that you Photoshop that Cigarfish logo. I mean, it's it's very brandable. Oh, like, yeah. We, he, pretty soon everybody wanted to buy T-shirts with my logo on I was going to say, you, you could almost merchandise that. We, we do that. We do now. Yeah. Oh, my, okay. My, my youngest my my stepson. Interesting. It runs a company called CigarfishGear.com. Well, I'm going to have to check that out and buy buy some merch. That's yeah. that's really cool. Call me up for a discount code. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you want to sell on your shop, too, that would be cool, too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, guys, I, I appreciate the uh, time. Now, before we sign off, we have um, a final segment, if you would. It's a rapid-fire round. So I'll ask a question. Brad can answer first, and then you. Are you up for it? Sure. I'm ready. Okay. Number one, Tabasco, Crystal, or other hot sauce? Tabasco. Tabasco all day. Okay. Uh, Specifically, num- uh, Chipotle. The Chipotle Tabasco. Have you ever had it? Oh, I've heard of that. Oh, you know, my. I think another rep mentioned that. Oh my god, that was god. his favorite. It's the only one I get now. Huh. 
I'm gonna have to try on that eggs, out. on everything, whatever. Tabasco Chipotle. Okay. Yeah. That's for for okay. I'm gonna have to try that out. Uh number two, favorite favorite travel destination. Aruba. Aruba, okay. Oh man. Uh, I'm gonna have to go uh Mexico, Cancun. Okay. Number three, the ideal person you'd want to smoke a cigar with, alive or deceased? David Lee Roth. Um, I'm gonna go uh Ed Reed. Oh, okay. Is he a football player? Uh-huh. Yeah. And he has, he has, he has, we he has, actually carry a cigar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to smoke a cigar with Ed Reed. Yeah. Number four. Um, all right. With cigar industry people, I kind of twist it up. So what's your favorite uh, or your Desert Island cigar from any of the companies that you rep? And what's a favorite or uh, Desert Island cigar from a company you don't rep? Uh, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, I have a favorite cigar of it in every line. Okay. Uh, if you want to run by those down, you can. Yeah, yeah no, that's I, pretty I mean, much. That's so pretty. That's you know, tough for us. It's rock. tough for us to do that because yeah, yeah, yeah. we. you have so many. It's so brands. good. But we have a lot I of do, good my, I, I think my cigar crack is the tabernacle, the Foundation Tabernacle tor- uh, Broadleaf Torpedo. Okay. I get to smoke it's that. A smaller format. Too, yeah, it's a smaller format. It's yeah, yeah. size of uh-huh. a robusto, but it's a torpedo. And uh, if I'm if I've been a good salesman, they send me a box every once. In a while. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um. How about you, Reed? So, I'm gonna name a couple because I can't name it just one. Yeah. Um, Seven Twenty Four Hustler is my bread and butter. Okay. The Barbara Pole. That one's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Inner Circle Blue Label from Cavalier. The Illusion Habano. And the uh, Olmec Claro. Yeah. Those are. I like the Olmec Claro a little oh. bit more than Maduro. I mean, they're both good. Oh, for sure. Typically, I'm a Maduro guy, but I think the Claro's. Olmec Claro goes, yeah. is just so good. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, all right. Number five. Who would you want to see here on a future podcast? Kurt yeah. Kendall. Kurt, okay. Kurt Kendall. Okay. Kurt Kendall would be awesome. Yep. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. Yeah. Kurt Kendall. He's, Very good. he's, he's the probably. The nicest guy in the yeah. industry, not not taking away. No, from no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> he is. I mean, we used to we, we used to rep him and just stand out, class act from New Hampshire, and uh, it's awesome seeing a guy. He's also a cigar nerd, yeah. reviving this vintage cigar brand mm-hmm, yeah. for sure. Well, guys, thanks again. Appreciate you taking thanks the time and here. visiting us. Absolutely yeah, so appreciate y'all having me on. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Until the next cigar, we'll see you later.